Hey everyone, Josh Case here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy today's message. I feel in this room what I have felt just a handful of times in my life. I felt it first as a 19-year-old boy evangelist. I went to the largest church at that time. It was one of the largest churches in our denomination. I walked in and glory was just in the room. I felt it on the Sunday when the 90-day revival started at my church in 2014 that took our church from a great little community church and transformed it into holy ground where the glory of the Lord rests. I leaned over to Pastor Josh and I said, there is glory here. Some of you sense it and you know the weight of what you're standing in. Some of you are coming into that revelation today that the God we serve is not some magical existential being in some far removed corner of the universe who gets moody and is up and down in his emotion and visits every now and then when he gets in a mood. Some of us in this room are becoming persuaded that we are living in glorious times. And that when we hunger and thirst for him, we will be filled. I refuse to leave a service thinking God didn't want to move. If God doesn't move, it's not because God doesn't want to move. If God doesn't move, it's only because he couldn't find someone who would say, move, Lord. I wish you would lean over to your neighbor and tell him that's not me. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, you can leave that way if you choose to leave that way, but that's not me. I didn't didn't go through all that I've been through and come through all that I come through to get through another Revival Sunday. I will be, if I'm all by myself, if I'm I'm all by myself, I'm just fine with it. I wish I could find some folk to jump in this thing today, but I've already drawn a circle around my being and told God, if nobody else got time, if nobody else got hunger if nobody else wants you fall in this circle and I'll stay with you all day long I'll stay with you all afternoon long how many can just give God three claps and a shout and testify while you praise him that there's nobody higher and there's nobody greater and there's nobody like him hallelujah oh come on and praise him Calvary Praise him because the best wine is reserved for the end of the party and the devil will not write the last chapter of this story. I come to tell you he who has begun a good work is able to finish what he started and if he started it he won't finish it on empty. Come on we're not crossing the finish line talking about how hard it was. We're coming in with joy saying look what the Lord has done in our generation somebody say yeah, yeah. there's no revival 
I don't know who wrote that and where it came from, but I need the chord chart and the words because we're going to take that one back home with us. Hallelujah. 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 It is no secret, Acts chapter 20, please stay standing. It is no secret how much I love your pastor and apostle and your first lady. I, yeah, come on. He is my best friend. I am not ashamed to tell anybody that. Nobody talks around about him when I'm in the room, unless it's good. I don't let people talk about my best friends or my family. Amen, somebody. We will be going to Israel together in a few weeks. Somebody said that's weird. No, it's not weird. When Paul and Silas get together, chains start breaking. Amen. That's not weird. That's kingdom. In a few weeks, they will be with us in Chattanooga, Peru, and I took a shot seven years ago. I cannot believe that. And I called and said through Richie Hughes, Pastor Richie Hughes, our executive pastor, I said, there's a man named Jim Rayleigh down in Florida that I need to come, but I, I don't know him and he don't know me, but tell him whatever he needs to come, I need him to come. And he came, and the rest is history. I'm so thankful for Kingdom Family. And I'm thankful that there are revival places in America that are not going to let the fire burn out. Come on, someone say amen. Acts chapter 20, I'm on a divine assignment this morning. I am not saying this because I'm important or special. I'm saying it because I feel like you are special, but I just don't get to leave redemption on Sunday mornings. I don't do that. And uh, Devin is preaching for me today, but there's probably two places in the world I would miss a Sunday morning for, and this is one of them. And I'm just honored that you had me on a Sunday. And uh, I don't believe we're just going to survive Sunday morning and all the churchy people are going to get out. I believe we could be here to two o'clock and have to pick people up and carry them home because they're drunk. Some of y'all don't believe that yet. Religion got you fooled and thinking if you get up by 12, you've had some. But I'm going to tell you, there is a well you can drink from and not care what time it is. And I came to hook up to that well today. Come on, somebody. Say it. amen. Acts 20, verse 7. Acts 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps, say many lamps. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain man, a young man named Eutychus. Touch your neighbor, tell him Eutychus, Eutychus. He was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, 
for life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, and had talked a long while, even till daybreak, Paul departed, and they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. Mm. I want you to look with me, please, at verse number nine. And the text says, in a window, in a window sat a certain man named Eutychus. Look at your neighbor, tell him, neighbor, I want to be all in. Tell your other neighbor, tell him, all in. All in, all in, all in, all in. We got to get to this. I got a long way to go in a short time to get there, but I need you to turn around and tell somebody else. Tell them all in, all in. From this Sunday on, from this Sunday on, in fact, if I were you, I would get some courage and make a prophetic announcement about your own personal life. Uh-huh, just throw your hands up and say all in. I'm not going to be half in. I'm going all the way in. And I'm going today. I'm going today. I need to notify you and everybody on my road that before this service is over, the old version of me will have been left behind because there's something happening by the grace of God in my life. Somebody say yes. Father, help me today. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. I give you my lips to speak through and my heart to speak to. May my ear be set on the windowsill of heaven, hearing what you have to say and sharing it under the power of your spirit with the generation who needs revelation now. In Jesus' name and God's people said amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. The text before us this morning is a portion of the third missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. At this particular point in his life, the man has been through all kinds of hell and all kinds of high water. He has been alienated, ostracized, forgotten, beaten, left for dead, lied on, scandalized, Every imaginable difficulty and distraction that a person could have in their journey with Jesus has befell the apostle by the point that we come to in Acts chapter 20. He is on his third missionary journey and he is going back through the churches that he planted on his first and second missionary journey. And he is checking back with those churches that he's planted reinforcing and reassuring the leaders of those churches and making sure that the people of God are still walking in the faith. He understands that in order for us to remain strong, we have to continue in the journey for it is not how we finish, it is not how we start that will define us, it is how we finish that we will be defined in our journey with Christ. So he's going back through the churches and he is ensuring that they are walking in the faith and strengthening the people of God. And we come here to this 20th chapter. He is now in Troas and he has come down through Samothrace and passed through Greece and he is speaking and pouring into the people of God at the church that he planted here in Troas. 
The Bible says that he intended on the first day of the week. I want someone to get this, that what we see developing here is a matter of priority. It's not the second day of the week or the third day of the week. It's the first day of the week because I believe still, and this is a bit old-fashioned, I, I imagine, and antiquated to some, but I, I believe that first things still matter to God. I believe that priorities are still indicative of the kind of relationship that you have with God. If you want what's best, you've got to give him the best. They don't, they don't give him the leftovers. Paul doesn't give the church the leftovers. The church doesn't give God the leftovers. They all join together on the first day of the week. And the Bible said Paul commences to what we call in this generation a pour. Touch someone, tell them a pour, a pour. Pouring out, P-O-U-R. Paul has something to say to the church by this moment. And I want you to understand that the one who is talking is not just a talker. He's not even just a preacher he is an apostle which means that there is an apostolic thing in him that has to come out of him and in order for the church the people here in this church in uh, Acts chapter 20 in order for them to become everything God wants them to be they have to first of all submit themselves and come into a room where they can receive the poor of the apostle I am thankful for all of the gifts that Jesus gave to the body of Christ. And if you want to know what they are, they are found in the, in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. How many know we don't just need one of those? We need all five of those. I need some help on Sunday morning in here. Uh -huh. We have people that are, we are people that are teacher prone. They are teacher heavy. They like to be taught all the time. And we got some people who are addicted to the pastor. And we have other people who are addicted to the prophet. And we have some people who are addicted to evangelism. But I want to tell you that a holistic and a well-rounded church is not just one that is exposed to one of the five grace gifts that Jesus gave the church. If we are going to be the kind of church he wants us to be, we need the apostolic grace and the prophetic grace and the evangelistic grace and the pastoral grace and the didactic teaching grace because how shall we ever become all that we are to become if we do not uh, find ourselves exposed to the graces that Jesus knew we would need. Uh, let me break it down like this. If you've got a six-cylinder car but two cylinders break down, it doesn't go as fast as it should go. It doesn't go as hard as it could go. It doesn't go as long as it can go, and it makes a lot of noise while it's trying to get to nowhere. May I suggest to you today that we need all five cylinders working in the body of Christ? Well, I don't like the I don't like the prophetic. We didn't ask you if you like the prophetic. I don't know if I like the teacher. We're not concerned if you like the teacher. The church was not built on our preference. It was not even built according to our prejudice. God did not give the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher to make us feel good. He gave us the fivefold because he knew we need to be developed. And in order to become everything he wants us to be, we need to make sure that our ears are hearing the poor of all five graces. This is why some churches get stuck. They get stuck because they have, they have a teaching gift. There's nothing wrong with the teaching gift. God never put a premium on ignorance. 
Some teachers, some churches get, get stuck because they get caught in a prophetic grace. And everybody's walking around, yea, I say unto thee, but nobody's healed. Everybody hates one another. We're mad at America. We hate all the presidents, but we're prophetic. And then we love the pastoral gift because the pastor makes us feel warm and cozy. And he makes us feel lovey-dovey. And he visits us at our baseball game and comes to our graduate. But sometimes you've got to understand, we don't just need a pastor. We don't just need a teacher. We don't just need a prophet. We don't just need an evangelist. We don't just need an apostle. We need every gift God gave the body. Touch somebody, tell them God is taking us somewhere. Paul is an apostle. By the time we get to Acts 20, the man has been through some hell. You don't have anything to say until you survive some stuff. It's amazing to me how many people want a pulpit but have been through no pain. I can't find no help on Sunday morning. It's amazing to me how many people want a microphone but have not been through a mess. You don't want to covet this. If I throw you the keys to this, if I hand you this microphone, let it hit the ground. You don't want this. Oh, we are infatuated with what happens on the stage, but we are ignorant of the pain that happens behind the scene. Paul only has something to say because by Acts chapter 20, he has survived the shipwreck. He's gone through hell and high water. They've beaten him within an inch of his life. His best friends have turned around and walked away from him. They had to put him in a basket, drop him down on the side of a wall just to get him out of the city alive. And we got people wanting to covet the pulpit. Oh, no. If you can do anything else other than be in full-time ministry and please God, you ought to go do it. Because anybody who God uses greatly, they will be wounded deeply. They will go through hell. They will have sleepless nights. They will roll on the floor. They will question themselves. They will have pain unimaginable and go through seasons of, of absolutely unimaginable rejection. But I want to testify that if God ever calls you as rough as the trip may be, at the end of the journey, I'm going to hear him say, well done. Oh, can I preach to the preachers for just a minute? We need some people who've been through some stuff. We're not living in a Mickey Mouse generation. We need some men and women of God who walked through a valley, came up on the other side, and said, look what the Lord has done. This generation knows the fraudulent. They don't want the fake. They want somebody who's seen feet like brass, eyes like fire, and heard a voice like the sound of many I said all that little introduction. I said all of that to say by Acts chapter 20 verse 7, he's getting ready to pour and he has something to say. But it does not matter what God has put in Paul if the ears of those who are listening don't have a spirit of receptivity. Touch somebody, tell them this is a room of receptivity. Yes, the one we're sitting in is a room of receptivity. And the one in Act 20 is a room of receptivity. He doesn't have to 
poor heart. He doesn't have to work. They stay with him all night long. Unless you think that people accidentally step into greatness, I remind you that your destiny is only accessible so long as you stay in a spirit of receptivity to the word of the Lord did not Jesus say in the in the prologue of John's gospel the first chapter to as many as receive him to them gave he power to become the sons of God there's a difference between coming to church and receiving Jesus when he shows up Come on, you can invite me over to your house, but if when I get to your house, I bang on the door, ring the doorbell, dance on your front porch, if you don't come let me in, then whatever I came to release to you can never get into your house except you walk to the door, open up the door, and say, come on in. Oh, there's a lot of people who threw Jesus an invitation. They said, I'm getting ready, Lord. I'm coming to the church this morning. I'm coming to the house this morning. Morning, and then Jesus comes to the house and he knocks on the door and he rings the doorbell and he said if you will hear me and just open the door I'm knocking will anybody somebody tell them receive 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 we need a spirit of receptivity in the church we need a spirit of receptivity in the church we need we need to honor what God I'm not talking at you. I'm talking to the body of Christ. We need to make sure that we're not missing an intended blessing from God simply because we don't know how to receive God. Oh, well, I, I receive God. I just don't receive you. You cannot receive God and not receive me because I am sent by him. I got no help. Oh, but I need to preach this in our generation. This spirit that says I will honor God and dishonor his people is from the very pit of hell. You cannot honor God and dishonor those whom he sent. Touch somebody, tell them, here, receive. Receive the poor, receive. You can't leave today like you came because God is getting ready to release a word that is going to break religious bondage off some of you and some of you who've been in the shallow end of Christianity are getting ready to crawl out of the shallow end and find a diving board and jump in the deep end. A spirit, a spirit of receptivity. If you come to church skeptical and cynical and you've been you've been thinking about all of the fraudulent activity going on in the church over the last 40 years. It would blow your mind how many people want leaders to fail. To justify, to justify and to satisfy their, their carnal devilish craving. I'm going to tell you right now, by the grace of God, not every preacher who's preaching the gospel has a secret lover at the Red Roof Inn and is living a double life. Not every preacher who asks for your tithes and your offerings is taking money and advancing their own kingdom before they advance the Lord's kingdom. you got to shake that mess off. I'm telling you this was not in my sermon, but I feel like there's a stronghold in Ormond that's getting ready to break because of some junk some of y'all saw somewhere else down the road. Have you been bringing that 
fire in this house and the Holy Ghost is about to snatch you out of that house and he's about to set you up for a very different kind of future. I feel like telling somebody this is not where you came from and because you are here, you are not going where you used to go. Your life is about to be turned all the way around. have a spirit of receptivity Paul is preaching and they lose track of the fact that he goes to teaching and preaching and speaking and the night falls and the sun sets and nobody leaves what a day when the poor is so rich and the revelation is so deep and the people are so hungry that we lose track of normal. See, listen, I'm a pastor. I know what Sunday is. Sunday morning is where we pray that the people who are on the crust come on into the core. What does that mean, Pastor Wallace? That means there are some people, we get you once every six weeks. And because we get you once every six weeks, we pray that in our little one hour and 45 minute time slot on Sunday morning, God's done, God does something in you that will put a hook in your jaw and pull you off the edge and bring you to the heart of the kingdom of God. Well, I want to tell you, about six years, I got, six years ago, I got delivered from trying to keep people happy who think God ought to be receiving their leftovers. Here's what I want to tell you. If you don't get all in, everything connected to you is on delay every promise suspended over your life is on pause because God will not give his best to people who do not want to go all the way in God is looking for a church that is not we're not trying to see how much like the world we can be and still be a Christian we're trying to see how close to God can we walk and still be living on this planet God is looking for hungry people a spirit of receptivity watch this watch this and when he finds out that they're picking up what he's putting down and they're taking in what he's releasing he stays with them a while and the room suddenly is not just a room of receptivity but it also becomes a room of revelation yeah yeah I'm giving you three R's today if you're a preaching student this is going to be point number two the room is not only a receptivity room, it's a room of revelation. And the Bible says that even though night had fallen and the sun had set and darkness had begun to creep in, the room they were in was filled with light. I'm getting ready to preach right here if the Lord will help me. The Bible said that there were many lamps. Touch somebody, tell them lamps. Lamps, 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 lamps. lamps. This is a room full of lamps. Do you know what a lamp is? A lamp is nothing more than a utensil that has an oil reservoir in the bottom. And above it would sit a wick. And the only thing that you had to have was oil and something that would burn and a, and a source of, of fire. If you had a fire and a wick and some oil you could take any kind of room that was dark and you could begin to fill it with light I feel like preaching right here 
I want to tell you we're living in a dark generation. We're living in a dark world. Don't look funny at me. Come on, they're turning Buzz Lightyear into a sissy. And they're turning our generation into a... They're trying to turn our sons and daughters into a bunch of confused young ladies and young men. And everywhere we turn, your bishop said it and I agree. We need a revival of normal and sanity. Everywhere I look, it's getting dark. Everywhere I want to find some hope somewhere. The Holy Ghost sent me to tell some of y'all, if you want to, if you want to find hope, be hope. Stop looking at the world and telling everybody how dark it is. Touch your neighbor, tell them I'm a lamp, I'm a lamp, I'm a lamp, I'm a lamp. I did not come to agree with the darkness. I come to make a difference. I did not come to cohabitate with darkness. I come to run it out of the building. I did not come to tell you how dark it is. I come to tell you that Jesus is the light of the world and you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Don't somebody tell them light it up, light it up, light it up, light it up. This is not a room of darkness. This is a room of revelation. I came to tell the devil he's in trouble. I came to tell hell you missed. I come to tell darkness your days are numbered. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. It's, a, it's dark on the outside of the room. But the room is full of lamps. Lamps don't burn without oil. Oil's not produced without crushing. Which should help somebody in this room understand that part of the pain you've been through recently is not about destroying you. It's going to release something that was locked up in I want to tell you that the devil is about to regret he ever messed with you and your house. The enemy is going to wish he never pressed you and crushed you and tried to take from you and tried to deceive you because, oh my God, I felt that thing right then in my spirit. Somebody is about to get a revelation that the pain is productive. God is about to release some oil, oil that can burn all night long, oil that can light up a room, oil that can break a yoke, oil that can set the captive free. Touch three people in your area. Tell your neighbor, say oil, oil, oil. Oh my God, that's why my kids have been acting crazy. That's why my money has been funny. That's why my peace has not been found. Oh, but it kept me up and I prayed. It kept me up and I cried. It kept me up and I read my Bible. And now I'm ready to come out of this valley and testify that he who has begun a good work will be able a room of revelation the bible said that there were many lamps and they were burning and, and I don't know about you but I want to hang out in a room with many lamps There's some dark rooms in our day. 
No light, no Jesus, no presence of God. Let me hang out with them people who got some oil and a fire and a wick that'll burn. Now, if I told you how I was raised, you may feel sorry for me. Because I was not raised in a church like the one I pastor or the one like you pastor. We have been blessed and fortunate by, by God to have received the best that God could give a generation to present the gospel. You are not sitting in some room that is half-baked or half-put together. This looks like glory. I mean, everything about it is excellent. And it should be. When MTV goes after your children, they don't do no mess. MTV, listen to me date myself. Y'all don't even know what MTV is in When the LGBT community comes after your children, they know how to present it and market it. I wasn't raised in that kind of church like this. I was raised in a little country holiness church. When I got called to preach, they didn't invite me to a platform. They invited me to a prayer closet. I was raised with about 80 people. And when I was 15 years old, they say, Come to the prayer meeting before church, before church, on Sunday night. So we started at 6 at 530. The men would get on the right, and the women would come into the room on the pulpit on the left. And all those men in there were 55, 60, 75, 80 years old, 30 of them. And then there's little old me. And I walk in that room, and they just start rocking. So I didn't know what to do, so I rocked. And they would get to wax and warm in prayer. And they'd start praying. We, we, were, not, we were not the most educated people. We were, not the, we were not even with the times. We didn't even know about culture back then. Nobody talked about that. All we knew to do is touch God. So they prayed. And they kept on praying. And they say, Kevin, just pray. And I'm 15 years old. And I'm I didn't have a prayer life. And I just sat in a room with those lamps that were burning. And I didn't know how to pray at first, but give me about two months and I'd come in, hey, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you. Because they always started by thanking God. They never asked him for anything. They took the first 10 minutes and started praising him for stuff that you and I take for granted. They were praising him for oatmeal. They were praising him that he paid the bills. They were praising him for the car that they, that they said was broke, but it kept on running. And the washing machine that tore up, but they laid hands on it and it came back to life. They were just praising. They were thankful for what the Lord had done. And then somewhere after thanking God, that light would begin to get brighter and that room would begin to get filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and one of them would start saying come to Bahushaya and they started praying in an unknown tongue and when I said that some of y'all said what is that? I don't understand what he just said you're not going to understand it because I was not talking to you I was talking to God in prayer look at your name and tell your neighbor, neighbor, a spirit of religion is coming off of us and a spirit of revelation is coming on us in this hour. We're not going to change the world with no church. We're not going to 
services. We're going to change the world when the Holy Ghost inside of us opens up our spirit and makes Jesus known to a generation. You say, Revel, what? Revel, what? Revelation. Lest you think I'm super spiritual, you ought to read Ephesians 1, where the apostle told the church at Ephesus, ever since I heard of you, I have not ceased to give thanks for you. And I pray and mention you often in my prayers that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of, see this is a whole different thing but the Holy Ghost is moving us into a place of revelation in this hour revelation is not knowledge that you should know it's knowledge you can't know until the Holy Ghost makes it known to you God reveals things to us by his spirit. So what does that tell you when you have a church culture that has, by and large, ceased to teach about the third person of the Trinity? We want to build our church. Okay, if you want to build your church, this is what they tell us. If you want to build your church, don't say Holy Ghost. Say, Holy Spirit. And whatever you do, don't talk in tongues in the sanctuary. Because the people will be freaked out. Now, hold on a minute. People go to Led Zeppelin concerts, Grateful Dead concerts, Kiss concerts, Corn concerts. They go to demonic rap concerts and they don't get freaked out. But you come to church and we dress Jesus up like a cardboard savior and put the and put the dove of heaven in a back room corner because we don't want nobody to get nervous. Oh, not only do I want you to get nervous, I want you to squirm out of your seat until you stop acting religious, until you catch on fire. I want you to get so absolutely blasted by the goodness of God that you forgot where you parked in the parking lot and you've got to have Siri to help you find your way home. I want you to... Let somebody tell them revelation. Spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. This room is a room of revelation. I want to speak prophetically to this house. Where God's taking you requires an apostolic blueprint. Well, I'm trying to find a pattern. I'm trying, we're trying to find a pattern. This house will never find a pattern. It's been called to be a pattern. Well, we're looking for a blueprint. No, 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 not your apostle. He's not trying to find a blueprint they used 70 years ago to build a church that's dealing with today's devil. You've got to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Well, we ain't never done it like this before. You ought to celebrate someone that will lead you into a place you've never been because plenty of churches are trying to regurgitate the past. I need some help getting a chair. 
can I get a chair? Can you get, get look, thank you, Don. So, somebody give it up for your Don. Come on, tell him you love him. Tell him you love him. So this room is room filled with revelation and lamps are burning all over the place. And there is one guy in a room of revelation where an apostle is pouring it out. And he's giving a blueprint for the future. And he's giving a download to the Gentiles and the people who are not even supposed to have revelation. Here's the apostle pouring it out. And most of them are receiving. And revelation is flying all over the room. And there's a dude over in the corner. His name is Eutychus. And Eutychus is sitting not in the room. And he's not outside. He's in the window. And the window is the only place in the room where you can experience the light that is in the room and yet the darkness that is on the outside. We got a lot of windowed Christians in our day. One foot in the room with revelation and one foot in the world where there is no light. You got to be careful with them window people. It's the only thing in the room that has a spirit of dishonor on it. He's sitting in the window. Light in the room. Darkness on the outside. In one ear, he's hearing revelation. In the other ear, he's feeding his flesh. The window. Straddling the window. Divided in your spirit because you have ceased to make Jesus number one. The Bible said, let not a double mind. Sunday morning, Friday night at the hoot nanny. Sunday morning, Saturday night at the bar. Oh yeah! You come in here and the same move you try to worship Jesus with, you was jumping and don't work it don't work like that God is about to expose the window he's sitting in the window and there is light here and darkness here and here's what Eutychus doesn't understand Eutychus doesn't understand the power of darkness the seductive deceitful deceptive power of darkness. Touch somebody, tell them darkness, 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 darkness. Let me tell you and explain to you what I mean. Everyone in this room understands that normal, natural life yields the kind of experience where when the sun rises in the morning, we naturally do what? Wake up. 
when the sun sets at night, lights go off in the house, what do we do? Go to sleep. Why? Is that, why, why does that happen? It happens because that's how God created you and I. Touch your neighbor, tell them biology 101. Come on, y'all knew I was a bishop. You did not know I was a biologist. I'm getting ready to take you to biology class. I'm getting ready to give you something right here. This is absolutely free, but it's a part of my sermon. So may the Lord bless you as I release it upon you today. Number one, when you begin to go to bed at night, it is what is called the circadian rhythm. The circadian rhythm is something every person in this room possesses. It's, it's not even something you have to set your body to. God set this clock in every single one of us, and it goes like this. If you are in your bed asleep and you wake up in the morning, you wake up and begin to wake up when light begins to hit the back of your closed eyelid. Because when a light ray hits the back of your closed eyelid, it begins to send impulses to the base of your brain at a place called the medulla oblongata. And at the medulla oblongata, at the base of your brain, your body begins to secrete and release chemicals in your body that stimulate your blood pressure and cause you to begin to move and thus get awakened. Throughout the day, your digestive system is set according to this circadian rhythm. And at night, i got to expedite this here, but at night when it's time to go to bed, you begin to lay down, you turn the lights off, and darkness, the same eyelid that receives light and produces uh, the kind of chemical in your body to put your body awake, that same eyelid sees darkness, releases an impulse to the base of your brain at a place called the medulla oblongata. And the medulla oblongata tells a, a chemical called... Uh, melatonin to be released in your body shuts your system down reduces your heart rate and you begin to drift off to sleep all because it gets dark I didn't know this until my wife took me to a movie theater Some time ago, my wife bought me a ticket with my children to go see Spider-Man, Spider-Man. The problem is she took me to a theater that had reclined. I have never in my life heard of a theater to watch a movie with a reclining seat. But she buys me a ticket and she takes me into this place and I see buttons on this. On the, I said, oh, this got some buttons, Deb. What is this? She said, this is a recliner. I said, what do you do? She said, hit the button. So I hit the button. I started texting all my friends. I said, yo, Chattanooga has a theater that has reclining seats. I'm literally laying 180 degrees with my hands behind my head, getting ready to eat some popcorn and watch Spider-Man. Everything was fine. I'm laying back. The movie comes on, what happens? The lights go down. And what happened to me is what happened to Eutychus. I did not go. It said he fell into sleep. He sunk. It goes like this. You got the movie, it started, you're laying back, lights go down. Back of the eyelids, medulla oblongata, release melatonin, Wallace is going to sleep. So it looks like this. First, first three minutes.
Seven minutes in. Fifteen minutes in. Devin slaps me. What are you doing? You're a total embarrassment. I brought you to this movie. And now you're in here snoring and everybody looking at you. Why don't you go sit in the lobby? I wasted money on your ticket. And I looked at her and I said, you brought me to a place with no lights and a recliner. Men sleep in this environment. Come on, brothers, don't leave me hanging. My point is this. Here's what I want you to say. When the environment goes dark, you do not control your own self. Your system just starts shutting down. This is why somebody in this room, I wanted to preach another message, but God sent me today and he told me somebody is sitting in the window and they don't have to fall. That's what I want to preach and I'm about to go take my seat. But look at somebody and tell them, neighbor, come on, we got to go. I know some of y'all got to get to the chicken line and we got to get back at 6 p.m. tonight. But look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you don't have to fall. Come on, tell somebody this is an intervention this morning. Somebody is sitting at a window with one leg in the window, one leg in the world, one leg in the window, one leg in the church. But today God is about to break the assignment of destruction over your future. I want to tell you that, listen to me very carefully. I got good news. God spoke this to me two nights ago when I was cleaning up my kitchen. He said, Kevin, I want you to go to or Ormond Beach and I want you to tell them Jude 24. What does Jude 24 say? Jude 24 says, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling you don't have to fall you don't have to lose your marriage you don't have to lose your family you don't have to lose your business you don't have to lose your job you don't have to lose your dignity you don't have to lose your anointing I came to rescue somebody who's in the middle of a window and the devil's trying to pull you in the darkness I came to tell you that devil is a liar we came to shout until you wake up you were sinking into sleep, but God is about to release an alarm clock for somebody and you are not going home the same way you came. In Jesus' name, I feel the Holy Ghost. I rebuke the devil that's trying to sabotage your destiny. I command you in the name of Jesus, loose them and let them go. Touch my people, tell them, get out of the window, get out of the window, get out of the window, get out of the window. You better get out of the window. You got too much to live for to die in the window. You got too much in your future to stop now. Get out of the window. Watch this and I'm through. Stay standing. Stay standing. You don't have to fall. Somebody say, I don't have to fall. Somebody in here, I thank you, Holy Ghost, for what I just heard you whisper. Someone in here thinks God wants you to fall. But the Bible said in James 1 that God does not tempt any man. If you've got thoughts about falling, they're not coming from God. They're coming from the pit of hell. Slap somebody, tell them I break that off you in the name of the Lord. Oh, my God, you shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I wish somebody would shout like somebody getting ready to crawl out of a window. Oh, yes, that, that thing that's been trying to attract you and deceive you and pull you in. I break the power of seduction. I break that seductive spirit off your mind in the holy name of Jesus. 
You don't have to fall. If you fall, it's because you wanted to stay in the window. And you need to understand that not only can you not control yourself when you're in darkness, you don't get to control the fall when you fall asleep. The problem for Eutychus is no one got him out. No one got him out of the window, so he falls. I want you to look at the grace of the apostle. He's standing in a place of revelation. The, moon, the, the room starts as a room of rescue. As we read it, we see it as a room of revelation. But it immediately becomes a room of rescue when somebody falls. True apostles and pastors and evangelists and teachers and prophets don't keep their posture and position when they see someone falling. They come down. I don't know that I've ever met somebody that loves people as much as Jim Rayleigh. I've seen him come down some stairs. A little slower than he used to, but he still comes down. That's my best friend. Leave him alone. He comes down off the pulpit into the pain. Out of his strength into the street. And there is a young man who fell from his own mistake. It would be just like church people to say, let him die. Keep on preaching, Paul. But Paul recognizes if I have the grace to revelate, I've also got the grace to rescue. And I get real concerned sometimes for churches that have deep theology but don't know how to go rescue people. I wish I could have come to this service this morning on this first morning and I could have preached on fire or could have preached on glory, but I came to rescue maybe just one. I came down off the pulpit to the floor because somebody is not up where they used to be. They've fallen down in the road. Here's the thing about it. Everybody looked at him and said he was dead. The only person who said he still has life is the one who got close enough to him to hear the heartbeat. And some religious people look at you and they said, she fell too far. She's forgotten and dead. He fell too far. They're not going to make it. But I'm grateful that I came into a room today with some people that'll love you enough to get close to you. Even when everybody else wrote you off. Even when everybody else said your past is too dark and your future is too dark and you don't have anything to live for. I came to break religious lies off your mind. The church is not a mausoleum for perfect people. It's a hospital for the broken. It's a place where they, there can be healing for those who have experienced the pains of life. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Everyone standing all over this room. Someone has fallen. And religion wanted to run off and leave you. But someone in this room today would say, Pastor Kevin, I don't want to die in the street. I need to get back in the room and get all in. I came to tell you it's not too late for you to get all in. If you've fallen, 
The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that you can fall seven times but rise back up again. Now we're not here today to give a license to sin and neither am I trying to trivialize the mistakes and the choices that you've made. We all understand that seeds sown have harvest attached to them. What I'm trying to tell you is that if you'll trust in God and lean on the grace of God, somebody will come today with a nail-scarred hand and pick you up out of the road. There's a text over in the gospel about a man who was stripped and left beaten on the road to Jericho. He was passed by a Levite. He was passed by a priest. They passed him on the way to the temple to minister. But then a Samaritan came by and saw him and got off his donkey and bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine. The most unlikely person to rescue was a person who had been inflicted with pain himself. You see, the Levite and the priest were on their way to minister, but the Samaritan was ministering while he was on his way. I want to tell you today that the most important stop we can make in this service is the one we're about to make right now. For somebody falling in the street saying, help me, help me, Bishop, I want to get up. Help me, help me, I want to get up. I cannot stay in the road anymore. I need to get back in the room of Revelation. I want my spirit to be healed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one leaving, no one moving. Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I need to get up today. When I say three, when I say three, if you feel like you're falling, you're hurting, you're wounded, maybe you've even been to a place before in church and maybe you got hurt there. I believe today God's going to heal some wounds. I believe today God's going to restore and resurrect. Jesus came to rescue. If I'm talking to you and you have fallen and you want to get up, throw your hand up. When I say three, say, Bishop, pray for me. I need to, I need to get healed. I need to get up. I need to get back all in the room. One, two, three right now. Throw your hand up. If your hand is up or it should be, pay no attention to who's near you. Don't worry about who's not coming. Hands are up all over this room. If your hand is up or it should be, come out of your seat and join me right here in the altar. Hurry. I came down off this pulpit for you today, and we've come to see a rescue in this house. Come on. I'm getting all in. I'm getting all in. I'm getting all in today. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. They're coming from all over the house. I wish you would tell them you love them while they come, while they come, while they come. Come on. They're still coming. I see people coming from the balcony. I see people coming from the back row. Come on, church. I just wish your, your praise to God would be an indication to the hearts of these who've come that they're welcome to come. They're welcome. They're welcome. You can get up in this house. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I need people filled with the Holy Spirit to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost all over this room right now. Just begin to lean into God right now and ask Him for His grace to fill this altar. Every one of you that have come, I just want you to just, just lift your hands, close your eyes, and for the next 30 seconds, talk only to Jesus and tell Him all about your pain, your trouble, what's going on in your heart. You see, He already knows what's happening in there. He already knows what's happening in there. He just wants you to articulate it. Just, just in whatever way you can, tell him, God, I'm here because I need to get up again. I need to get up again. I need to get up again. We've come to rescue. We've come to rescue. Jesus came to rescue today. Oh, God, we thank you. Come on. 20 more seconds of prayer. People are talking to God for the first time in years. He hears you when you pray. 
Psalm 34 verse 1, this poor man cried unto the Lord and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his trouble. I want to tell you right now, when you made a step out of your seat toward this altar, something shifted in your life. Yeah. And there's some of you that came to the altar today because of church hurt. There's no hurt like church hurt. But I come to tell you that your church life is not going to be defined by the past season of pain. God is getting ready to connect you. This is Bethel to somebody in this altar. Your future is going to look very different because you've come to this church. Your destiny is being released in the person of Jesus. And it's this place where you found him today that's going to be vital to your future. I thank you, Lord. I want everyone to stretch your hand toward the altar right now and pray for them like you wish somebody would pray for you. If you came to the altar in this altar call, I just want you to take a moment and pray for these brothers and sisters who've come like you wish somebody would have prayed for you. I want to sing this little song. Julie, let's sing at the cross. Heal this family, Lord. Heal this family, Lord. Come on, pray, people of God. We just, we're just going to obey God here for a minute. If you got to go, we love you. We'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. Go in the goodness of God and get back here tonight. But we're going to stay for just a minute because some families have come to be rescued. I received my sight and now I am happy. All the day at the cross. Throw your hands up, sweet lady. Throw your hands up, baby. There's some chains coming off your life right now. There's some chains coming off your life right now, right? Jesus, oh, we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just worship him and wave your hands and praise him all over the room. Oh, it was there my faith. Rescue, rescue, get up, get up. I receive my sight and now release. Release from the pain. Loose her from it now. Come on, just a few more minutes at the cross. Come on. At the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light. Spirit of revelation, come on and now, God. I pray you'll open up our eyes and let us see. Oh, keep pressing. Keep praying. Come on, people of God. We rebuke the hand of the enemy over these lives. Oh! We rebuke the hand of the enemy over every life. And we speak life over you right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes. And now, did I pray for that man right there? Pray for him. Holy Spirit, lift, lift burdens and loose yokes at the cross. Hey! At the cross where I first saw the We came to pull you up, sir. It was never by faith. 
something before I go take my seat the Bible is clear that this was a young man his name was Eutychus here's what I want to tell somebody loose in the name of Jesus hallelujah somebody said what does that make you do it makes me plead the blood and get righteously courage courageous some on someone how many know there's freedom in Jesus in this room listen to me pastor's coming but I want you to hear me. This was a young man. His name was Eutychus. And there is something here for this generation. There's a lot of deconstruction of faith going on. It's become socially apropos and even cool to go live on Facebook or YouTube and announce your turning away from Jesus. I'm watching it happen on an epidemic level. And most of them never recover because they were involved in religion and not in a relationship or a church with a relationship with Jesus. And no one comes to the rescue. I want every person, young lady, young man, hear me. Jesus is real. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the third chapter, that if you hold fast till the end, You'll know you're saved. That's a heavy scripture. But quitting in the middle doesn't mean God wasn't real. It just means you didn't keep on believing. There's a million reasons for people to get bitter, hurt, and turn away from God. But there's one reason to keep on believing. Because one day you're going to see him face to face. So I want to pray for a young generation. 25 and younger, lift your hand if you're in this room. 25 and younger. Jesus, this house is full of them. If there's somebody near you right now with their hand up, lay your hand on their shoulder. I want you to lay your hand on their shoulder. Here's how I want us to pray. God, strengthen their faith. They're not going to fall out of the room. They're not going to fall out the window. They're not going to deconstruct and change their mind. They're not going to entertain doubts and listen to voices that lead them away from the Lord. 
Jesus, we need you. I wish you could, while your apostle comes, I wish you could just take the next minute or two and just pray for this generation. Lord, reveal yourself so, so deeply. Stamp their hearts so deeply with your glory that they don't vacillate. And even when the questions come, somehow in the midst of the doubt, the doubt becomes an invitation to go deeper with you. It's not an invitation to stop believing. When doubts come, God didn't send them. And when doubt sends you an invitation, I dare you to go deeper with him. Just go deeper after him. Jesus, I want you to lift your voice. Pastor Jim's coming right now, but I want you to lift your voice and pray for this generation. Lord, get them out of the window. Get them out of the window. Today, they come all the way in, all the way in, all the way in. Come on, let's just declare right now that the devil cannot have the next generation. They will not sleep or slumber. They're not going to have one foot in the darkness and one foot in the light. We declare that there is something shifting in the atmosphere. We tell you, devil, those that you have not had, you will not have. Those that are in the window are coming into the room full-fledged, coming into revelation. But we also say, devil, if there's any that you have caused to fall out of the window and into the darkness, this is a house of resuscitation and revival. And we will go and see a generation awaken for the glory of God. Now, Lord, we are not going to be a church that goes part of the way or some of the way or even most of the way in. But we decree and declare that Calvary 1687 West Renata Boulevard in Volusia County, Ormond Beach, Florida, we are going all the way in. I want to hear from some people who are not going to sit in the window. You're not going to have one foot in the darkness and one foot in the room. But is there anybody ready to go all the way in? If you want to go all the way in, open up your mouth and give God a praise right now. What, what a revelation. How many of you know God has been in this room today? Make a little noise if you know it. Now listen, tonight's going to be monumental and amazing. It's going to start at 6 o'clock. Come early so you can get a great seat. Who believes God can do a fresh thing tonight? Tonight we're going to lay hands on people. It's going to be supernatural. Let's raise up our hands and thank the Lord for all he did today. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing and you are not through. I pray tonight that you will arrest the hearts of people. That even if they normally don't come back for a meeting like this, they'll find their way here. I thank you for doing it. I praise you for doing it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Listen, Bishop has some books in the back. He wrote an amazing book that just he recently released. If you'd like to, to get it, you can get it in the back. He'll be there to sign. If you're my guest, I want to meet you. I'll go hang out in the back. And y'all come back tonight. Let's have revival. If you love the Lord, give him a shout of praise. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060 or you can visit calvaryfl.com give. 
We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. You can also stay connected by following us on social media at Calvary FL and by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Again, thank you for joining us.